Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Brian Cat, Cat and Zero and Paul Pick. And you can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on iTunes, and on YouTube. Paul, it's been a long time since uh, we, I've been able to say this. In fact, I started doing this show back in 2009, a little bit off and on. You started, I think, in 2013. The Dolphins have never been in the playoffs since I've been doing this show. And now I can safely say that the Miami Dolphins have clinched a playoff spot, are going to be competing this weekend for the fifth seed if the Dolphins win and the Chiefs lose. Can you believe it? I can. I think, you know, I I had what I know a lot of people thought was an optimistic prediction before the season, but uh, I saw Miami somewhere in the 9-7 to 11-5 range. So very happy today to say that they're there and they locked up a playoff spot. Thank you, Kansas City. Let's keep it rolling this weekend and help Miami get the five seed and have to go face Tom Savage and the Texans in uh, week one of the playoffs. And then if the Chiefs win in the first round of the playoffs against the Steelers in that situation, the Dolphins would go to Oakland and face Matt McGloin. What an easy road <laughs> down the playoffs that would be. So we'll we'll see what happens. Before we get to that, let's talk about the Dolphins-Bills matchup that got Rex Ryan fired. He has been uh, let go by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, it's Paul, it's something we talked about here last week, you know, where we can never just, we can never put our finger on why Rex Ryan is thought of so badly when his teams always seem to, to overachieve. I mean, he, he, even this year, assuming the Bills beat the Jets next week, and if Rex Ryan were coach, he would have back-to-back eight and eight seasons. And I look at the Bills and think, you know, who do you think you are? Yeah, it's... they. Rex got hosed again with a GM that wasn't on the same page as him. I know it wasn't nearly as brutal as what he ended with with the Jets when, you know, I know the comparison I've always used is they handed him checkers and told him to play chess. But they sure as hell didn't hand him the chess that this, in this situation. I mean, he's dealt with a number of injuries up there. They haven't fully got the pieces in play for the vision that we all know Rex Ryan has for the way he wants to run his defense and his offense and you name it. So, you know, go ahead, cut him loose blow up the program yet again. You got some talented pieces in play, and whoever your new coach is is probably going to want different ones. So, hey, if you want to mire the Bills in mediocrity for another few years, have at it, Bills ownership. Good job. Yeah, and now now they're adding even more to the confusion here by benching Tyrod Taylor for the last week in favor of E.J. Manuel. And by the way, E.J. Manuel is going to be a free agent. So even if you see that you've got something in him, you may be showing a little bit too much. So doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I guess that's why we beat him, 34-31 in overtime. Charles Clay scores with a minute 12 left to give the Bills a three-point lead. The Dolphins drive right down and get to the edge of field goal territory. And Andrew Frank shockingly puts through a 55-yarder to tie the game. Dolphins win 34-31 in overtime after a 57-yard run by Jay Ajayi. 
Paul, let's uh, start with the grades here at the quarterback position. Matt Moore, you know, I tell you what, I'll, I'll start with, with this one. I was terrified of, of Matt Moore at the beginning of the third quarter. At one point, before that throw to Devontae Parker, that was a touchdown, where, where Parker bounced off a defender and made a 21-7. to Matt Moore was 5 for 13 throwing the football, and three of those oh. passes were screen passes. He had an interception that was terrible at the end of the first half, but he rebounded nicely. He had that strike to Parker, and in the second half, every time the Bills scored on offense, which was pretty frequent, it seemed like the Dolphins and Matt Moore bounced back. So kind of a tale of two different halves, but I'm going to give him a B. I got a little petrified you were going to grade him a little higher when you started saying that, because for me, it was a B-. minus. But Matt Moore we saw against the Jets that was spot on on a lot of throws wasn't there against the Bills. I think he was throwing some really ugly balls in this one. I mean, balls skipping off the turf, balls four feet to the left of one guy, four feet to the right of the next guy, behind, above. He did do have definitely have a better second half in this one, but I really put a lot of this on the effort of the players around him in this game because they were what made it happen. You look at almost every single play, and the skill position players for Miami essentially seem to be saying, like, all right, the first guy is not going to tackle me here. Because they played some good licks, um, like the one you talked about with Parker. And you just see the Dolphins player go, uh, not going down, and, and, and make something more out of every play. So more power to them. I, I still think Matt is a good backup. Not going to say great, but I'm looking forward to Tannehill coming back and hitting the receivers where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, looking at the running back spot, Paul, I'm sure this is going to be a pretty easy one to grade. I might be giving out, and I have to look back, but this might be my first A-plus of the season. Between Jay Ajayi and his 200 yards, um, and then you look at Kenyon Drake, that 45-yard touchdown run, I know when he rolled off and rolled as deep as he did, I was yelling at the screen going, what the hell are you doing? And watching back, if he had not rolled that deep, he wouldn't have been able to use his speed to get outside because the, uh, I believe it was the defensive end or outside linebacker for the Bills made a good read that he was cutting it back and, and could have gotten him if he had been any closer to the line of scrimmage. But instead, races around the right side and, and, and takes it up the sideline. Absolutely A-plus for me here. Uh, they made a lot after contact in this one and, and really made up for the deficiencies I saw at the quarterback position. Ajayi and Kenyon Drake in this matchup, 36 carries, 262 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, the Drake play was uh, a play of the year type. Jay Ajayi looked like he was back to his old form. He was healthier than he was in recent weeks, and there was actually some run blocking up front too. Ajayi now in the season has over 1,200 total yards. Amazing considering... I think he had 97 yards rushing heading into the, the week six matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely an A-plus for me, too. And I can tell you for sure that is my first A-plus of the year. Uh, receiving unit, Paul, uh, Devontae Parker, we talked a little bit about uh, his 56-yard touchdown. Bouncing off a defender was nice to see him get back in the action. It really was. And Kenny Stills might only have 35 yards, but they were all all 35 critical yards. I mean, he had, he had a first down toe tap on third down that, that was absolutely impressive, snagging a ball well out of bounds. He had that touchdown catch that was just insane, ducking under two defenders as he caught it. You know, you look at what Jarvis Landry did in this one, he might only had three catches, but he had tough yardage on each of those. And really, you look at Marquise Gray and Deion Sims, three catches for 30 yards, but again, all critical plays. So, yeah, absolute 
bonus time for this, I'm going to give these guys an A minus. I'm going to go with a B plus. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, a healthy De- Devontae Parker to me is the star of this unit and on a very good unit. Yeah, Kenny Stills now catches his eighth touchdown pass in the year, a big time um, touchdown to make the game 28 to 14, which which at the time I thought might have put the game away. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, you're you're right. There were three tough catches, but I'll tell you what, he almost blew it in overtime because Jarvis Landry on a screen pass had at least the first down and given his yards after the catch ability, wouldn't have surprised me if he took it to the house and, and brought the Dolphins the win right there. So uh, yeah, Landry Landry had a drop in that, and I, it was a big one too. And I, I think he had a little problem separating too. I, I love Deion Sims and Marquise Gray as the one-two tight ends for next year. I hope they can get him back, and I think they can get him back cheap. Overall, I'll give this unit a B plus. The offensive line, ever since Craig Urbic has been ins- inserted into the starting lineup in place of Anthony Steen, it's definitely been a, a different unit. Um, I, I thought Brandon Albert, too, played a very good game at left tackle. At right tackle, Juwan James may have let up a few pressures, but, uh, you know, now you look back at the last, what, three or four games, and the Dolphins have let up one sack. Uh, the run blocking, needless to say, was exactly where it needed to be, unlike in recent weeks. So I'm going to give this unit an A-minus, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to give these guys an A-minus as well right there with you. I, I, they, they let the running backs get over 250 yards rushing combined. Kept Matt Moore pretty damn clean all day. Jermon Bushrod had a couple little misses here and there, but overall, I had no problem. Laramie Tunsil cleaned up some of the penalty issues in this one, and really, they played a very clean game. It's almost an A for me here, and I'm very excited for what Miami's able to do next year with or without Pouncey. Yeah, let's take a look at the defensive side of the ball, a, a much less rosy picture of the defensive side of the ball. Dolphins just had no answers for the Bills. And and I'll tell you what, when you look at the Bills, the Titans, and the 49ers and how the Dolphins have struggled against that wishbone type of offense, I mean, it, all three teams absolutely destroyed the Dolphins, did exactly what they wanted. And I, I'll even go a step further. I think the Bills really shot themselves in the foot in this. I think they, the Dolphins had no answers and when they when they knew that, then they started trying to get cute. You look at the Reggie Bush end around play for an eight yard loss and then Dan Carpenter barely misses a field goal in the next play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they outthought themselves uh, in this game. Paul, how, how do you grade the defensive line? I actually think the defensive line played all right. Again, Jason Jones continues to show me why he needs to be back next year, which you asked me that in the first half of the year, I never would have agreed to. I liked what I saw to Andre Branch. I thought that both Wake and uh, Andre Branch got ridiculously held on a lot of plays and still managed to push the pocket. Uh, I saw a number of plays where they didn't call the holding, which I know they had to call it a few times, but you could see both hands from the offensive tackle clearly on the back and, and, and pretty well holding onto the, the cloth of the name tag at times. So for me, in the pass rush, they definitely did well. But in terms of the run game, I get so scattered on this because the way that the defensive scheme is set up and so much of the onus falling on Kiko and the lack of outside linebackers for the running game, that that's where it gets iffy for me. I'll, I'll give these guys a B. I'm going to go with a C. Um, Yes, uh, the defensive ends were held quite a bit. I, I saw that a few times, too. Cameron Wake did get a sack, and Dominican Sue played okay. But other than that, I, I didn't see a whole heck of a lot. And I'll tell you what the problem is here, too, Paul, is just like in, with Colin Kaepernick, 
these defensive ends, um, Wake and Branch, they push up the field so much to create a pass rush, which is a great thing. I'm, that's the way the defense is schemed. But when they do that, they get so far up the field, I arrive Taylor can just take a step up and take off. So the DNs to play more contained. Then you throw in uh, with Sean McCoy and Mike Gillisley and, and how much they ran for in this contest. And that's why you have the defensive ends uh, not having a good game here. So overall, I'm going to give them a C. Uh, the linebacker core, uh, I'll take this one here, Paul. I'm going to give them a big fat F. And I'll tell you what, thinking back, looking back at this entire season, this is probably the sixth or seventh time I've, I've given them a D or lower in a game. And I think it's deserved. The, you know, Kiko Alonso is pretty hit and miss. I don't think he had a terrible game, but I also think it's unfair what they're asking him to do a lot. He is who he is. And if you play that wishbone type of, of offense, you can run up the middle pretty easy on anybody, but you really against the Dolphins, Kiko, the, the, the linemen get to Kiko so fast on those plays because every the defense is all spread out. Um, by far, the Dolphins' biggest need talent-wise in the offseason, I think, is going to be outside linebacker. Spencer Paysinger uh, is not a starting caliber player. He's a good special teamer, but that's about it. He, he should have been flagged for a pass interference against Charles Clay early in the game. Obviously didn't do well against the run. And uh, he also he gave up the go-ahead touchdown to Charles Clay, too, with a minute 12 left. Neville Hewitt, Neville Hewitt can show some things, but he also gets washed out. The Dolphins need a big, sturdy linebacker in the offseason. F for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with a D here. Uh, mainly it's Kiko that pulls this up uh, with a smattering of Neville Hewitt. I think Butler continues to show exactly why. I, I don't even want to wait till the offseason to see him get cut. I, I, I'm pretty much ready for the Dolphins to do it now and, and just try to run with one of the young players on the roster and see what they can do there. The interesting thing is going to be uh, whether or not they can slide Kiko to the outside, potentially, if uh, the right middle linebacker prospect becomes available. I know we talked about that a bit leading up to the draft this year when Miami first got a hold of Kiko. Uh, and really, he, he is that flexible player that could play on the outside as well and really could be a difference maker out there. So maybe the answer is getting a middle linebacker and another outside linebacker and, and throwing Kiko on the outside. But either way, Kiko needs to be in the mix. There's no one else on this team that needs to be in the mix for the starting conversation next year. I'm with you on Kiko. Uh, moving him to outside linebacker would get him off a few blockers he'd still be able to be one of the two linebackers in the sub packages where, you know, he could defend the pass. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I, I would look out for Patriots middle linebacker Dante Hightower in the off season might cost nine or 10 million a year, but if you can strengthen two positions like that, where you're hurting the most, it might be worth taking a look at the secondary big day from Tyrod Taylor, his first 300 plus yardage game. How would you grade defensive back? I didn't really have a problem with our corners. I, I know Sammy Watkins got the best of Xavier Howard a couple of times. On one of them, on that really long touchdown play, you know what? Xavier Howard had perfect coverage. It was just a perfectly thrown ball and a beautiful play by Watkins. I'm not going to take that away from Xavier Howard on that one. I don't think some of the catches that Sammy Watkins had over him were on him per se. There was one very obvious play where you actually saw Xavier Howard kind of go after veteran Bakari Rambo. Like, where the hell were you on that play? I think Bakari Rambo may have led the team in tackles in this one, but was absolutely atrocious and can 
walk hand in hand with, with Donald Butler out that door any day he so chooses. And I'm fine with that. I'm a little terrified of him starting this week because I think he blows coverages too much and is too slow in the run support. He definitely drags his grade down. So for me, I don't mind Michael Thomas back there. I do mind Bakari Rambo. This drags it down to about a C-plus for me, even though I think the corners played very well in this one, and we continue to see some some very positive things out of Lippitt and McCain and, and Xavier Howard. I'll go with the D-plus. Yeah, Xavier Howard clearly struggled with Sammy Watkins all day, and I, I attribute some of that to the lack of pass rush, too. I mean, Xavier Howard a lot of times was left alone on an island out there with Sammy Watkins. That's, that's not very fair. I mean, Sammy Watkins is going to separate from you eventually if you're given the quarterback four or five seconds to throw down in and down out. Yeah, Bakari Rambo, I, he, again, he is who he is. He's not very fast. Uh, I don't want him anywhere near the team as a free agent in the offseason. What's going to be really good, too, when you project into next year is you've got Byron Maxwell and Rashad Jones out in the field. Uh, projecting into 2017. Yeah, Tony Lippett, I thought, played fine. I mean, I, I can't recall a pass that was caught off Tony Lippett. And Bobby McCain, I, I, I thought he did he did okay as well. Michael Thomas, I continue to think, is one of the glues that holds the secondary together. He had a couple of big stops on LaShawn, on LaShawn McCoy that could have been 40, 50-yard gains had he not made those tackles. What we thought was the game-winning touchdown to Charles Clay with a minute 12 left. Michael Thomas may have been on him, but that was Spencer Pacinger's responsibility after he broke off from Michael Thomas. So it'll be interesting here going into the playoffs because Byron Maxwell, we'll, we'll see if he's going to be available next week. But if not, Tony Lippett and Xavier Howard, we're going to see what these, these two kids are made of for next year because they're on rookie contracts and they're only 24 years old. Anyway, uh, overall, I'm going to give this unit a D. Um, special teams, Paul, uh, to round it out. Well, the return game was beautiful in this one. I thought Kenyon Drake and Jakeem Grant had some great kickoff returns. Andrew Franks hit his career long in ugly, horrible, floating through the air in funky, low trajectory fashion. But I'm not going to devalue the fact that that was absolutely one of the critical moments of the Dolphins' season. Uh, would have been even more critical if he hadn't bounced one off the uprights earlier in the game. Miami did kind of force Carpenter to miss a uh, uh, field goal himself. And by, by force, I mean Jason Jones had his hand up in, in such a way that when Carpenter kicked it, if it hadn't been offline, it would have been the third week that Miami blocked the play on special teams. Matt Dar continues to mystify. He's got to get his act together here because we're heading towards playoff time. And he looked like such a pro bowler through most of the season. And now here we are four or five weeks in a row talking about what the heck's going on with him. I'll give these guys an A- minus here, but... Dar and Franks both need to get their act together, and it may be time to at least reset Franks in the offseason. Yeah, I'm fine with an A minus, too. I mean, Franks did miss that, that kick. As, as the clock is ticking down after Damian Williams doesn't get out of bounds, uh, I'm thinking, what's the point of even kicking this? Is, is, is season long is 41 yards. Uh, he missed a 40, what, seven yarder earlier in the game. And as soon as he kicks, I'm like, oh my gosh, look how low that is. That's not even going to make it to the 20. And it just keeps going and going and going. And I couldn't believe it. So good for Andrew Franks. And plus, he does put the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs a lot, uh, which, which I love. And when he doesn't, the special teams unit gets down there and almost always, knock on wood, hits them before the 25-yard line. Yeah, Matt Dar, I thought was a little bit better in this game, but just not the player he was earlier in the year. And, you know, Jakeem Grant, even though I still 
stay with what I said before that I, I don't think he is one of the two best returners on the team. I think Landry and Drake are. He had a huge return that set up Andrew Franks. Uh, I, I think he brought it back to the 40. And then from that point, the Dolphins only needed to complete two passes to give Franks a shot. If Jakeem Grant gets stopped at the 20, he doesn't make that move to get upfield and get out of bounds. Then the Dolphins are starting out at the 20, and you could pretty much say goodnight with Matt Moore's lack of arm strength. So very, very uh, big that the special teams unit performed the way that they did and when they did, too. Paul, uh, you know, we've got the Patriots next week. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be nice heading into next week, not really stressing out about a must-win game. Agreed. Makes it a little funky at times, but there's there's a lot of playoff seeding implications in this one. If Miami beats New England and the Raiders win, the Raiders take the number one seed. Miami, instead of having to travel to Pittsburgh, is traveling out to Houston, which did a much better matchup. So there's a lot of seeding things, but the six teams that are in the playoffs are set for uh, the AFC. Could be an interesting one. Should be an interesting one. Paul, anything else you'd like to add tonight? Nah, I'm just excited, man. Playoff football. I don't care what predictions we make in the preseason. It sure feels a hell of a lot better once we get there. Between October, so the Dolphins are going to play the Patriots on New Year's Day. Between New Year's Day and October 9th, when they lost to the Titans, in that time span, between October 9th and January 1st, the Dolphins will have lost one football game in that time span. What a magical season this has turned into. And I'll tell you what, when you look at what the Dolphins have going in terms of momentum and, and with the AFC as bad as what it is, you know, crazier things have happened. So just one game at a time. And on that note, if it is not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fifth side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here and you familiar to fulfill the crib we have to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe Fin ain't the left side or the right side Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.